Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the End Chaos Congo. And I just realized you can see the Batman stuff. Just forget about this. This is just like a permanent, not a semi-permanent, is that the word? Semi-permanent setup, just when it comes to like um, you know, people moving in and helping family members out and things like that. Now, today's guest um is somebody that um I've been trying to go on the show and on my end, obviously she's been really busy, but on my end, it's they've just been, you know, it's been hard to like juggle things and things. We'll get we'll get into that. You'll you'll soon see why, I should say is a good way to put it. But <laughs> anyway, um today's guest is uh, Keely Watson. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm great. No, it's good, it's good here. to have you on the show. It's well good to finally have you on the show. But um now, you know, with you being um you know, obviously we'll get into your past and stuff like that, but just something you, you said to me before that you, you work, you're currently working on the, the Olympics. Is that right? I am working on the Olympics, yeah. I've had a bit of a whirlwind few weeks, really. I started off um, at the beginning of this year just working on, like, TV football, so weekly working on Football Focus, uh, which kind of sort of consisted of making feature VTs uh, for the programme. And then I sort of... And I don't know if it's going to detail that. So I'm an assistant producer, to put it out there now. So basically my job, if you're a content producer, when you're an assistant producer, you make content. If it's for TV, you're making features for television. If it's digital, you can be making social videos, social content, uh, videos for the website, highlights, et cetera. Um, but basically, to put it straight, um, I my job, what I do now, um, I've been doing it for about nine months, but I've been doing it on sort of... Um, semi-permanent contract so it was like a I went for an interview last year and got like a nine-month attachment as like a promotion mm-hmm. um from what my original job was at the BBC and yeah essentially I basically got my job as assistant producer as a permanent uh, staff contract at the BBC which meant that I've been thrown on to being on the Olympics in the last uh, couple of weeks um which has been exciting uh, but sort of wasn't like sort of the plan I initially started out at the start of the year, but I'm on that now, and I've got that security that I've got like a permanent assistant producer job mm. in BBC Sport, uh, which is great. So yeah, we're coming to Winter Olympics this evening, 12, 12 a.m. till 8 a.m. in the morning. Um, and well, I did I did a shift on it last week actually. To be fair, so I'm a bit of I haven't been there for the whole thing, so I can't take the whole credit for the whole thing, but I'm just dabbling in, and um, I'll be. Yeah, I can't, don't know what I'll be covering this evening, but like, I went in the other day and they're like, right, you're doing sort of like um, sort of freestyle alpine skiing. And I was like, okay. Don't sometimes you get put on something like, I don't actually know much about this. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously working in BBC sport, you work across sort of a range of sports. Everyone's got their specialities. Um, some of the winter sports, you know, they don't come around very often. So we don't always... Not everybody's the expert. Um, it's sometimes about learning sort of on the job. But sometimes, realistically, job and system producer, it's storytelling. You know, you're there to tell a story. So, you know, as a, that's what I can do. You know, that's my skills that I'm able to tell a story in like an effective um, way. So realistically, you can sort of apply that to any sport, even if you don't know much about it, and still uh, tell that story in the, in the most sort of exciting way. So yeah, don't know what I'll be working on this evening yet. Um, not sure what the schedule is or what I'll be sort of sitting across. Um, but it should be good, yeah. be fun. It's nice to do like a range of a range of sports, really. Yeah, yeah. Before before we get into your um, the obviously where you eventually started and things like that. Where, mm-hmm. 
like we were having this debate and um because i'm still learning i was like a late bloomer you could say in media so we were talking about it um instead of doing three years that my story is instead of doing three years down south we're doing because of covid and that kind of knocked it that my local college just took us on and was like you study up here and then you can go down south next year so it's quite it's quite good but we were having yeah. a debate yesterday about um what is it exactly that a producer does? Like, I know she's telling, yes. the same, telling the story, but we got asked and I was like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I should probably know nowadays, but I actually don't. Yeah, but, yeah um, no, I can, ex- I'll, I'll sort of explain. I can, if it's easy, I'll explain a little bit about sort of the structure mm-hmm. and the different jobs briefly, because sometimes, like Len just asked, sometimes you refer to things. And when you are, it helps to know how it works and what the different jobs are. Mm-hmm. especially if I'm sort of telling a bit of a story because then it sort of makes more sense but um you sort of start off in the industry generally as a runner mm-hmm. um so essentially that job is sort of you know you're there to help out and you're a bit like the assistant on the production and you're helping out everybody if that can be you know I don't know you're running tapes you're running scripts you're um, getting coffees tea food for any sort of talent uh, that you have and guests that you have in and so you sort of start in on that and then um, from there, there's sort of like two routes in, in sort of community production really. There's like production management route and there's the editorial, okay? And the production management is like, the people that work in production management essentially sort out the finance, the budgets, the management of the whole production, sort of um, booking the staff, payments, all that sort of side of that. The, holding the fort really mm-hmm. and then it's the editorial people that are sort of doing the creative and the storytelling and making essentially the content and um, so I actually did a bit of a weird route I went firstly as like in production management because that's more of a junior level job if you work as a production management assistant mm-hmm. so I sort of did that really instead of a runner so I was sort of assisting the production management side but I always knew I wanted to work editorially so I later sort of progressed. I got a researcher's job, which is pretty much what it says in the tent. You're researching content, you're researching ideas, you're researching the, you know, if it's the production or the program that you're working on, um, or digital and radio, you know, you're researching within your little team. And then after that, it's the assistant producer, what I do now. Um, and then obviously the producers direct, you know, producers, directors, you sort of go down different routes, then obviously that's more senior. Um, so what, yeah, an assistant producer essentially is you are basically a content producer. So I've worked across digital and TV uh, since working at the BBC and since working in uh, media generally. And it doesn't sort of change too much between like TV and digital is very sort of intertwined. Mm-hmm. You, you make a video content at the end of the day um, and that can sort of consist of... Um, Two ways, if, if you would, if it's in TV, sometimes, you know, it's suggesting ideas for features of programmes and then you're going out and setting up those shoots and you're actually going out on the shoot with a camera operator, etc. And you're like, a bit like directing on that shoot and you're like, might be, if you're working with an actual contributor, you're, you're sometimes asking the questions if you don't have a reporter there with you. Um, but essentially, you're like sort of the producer on that shoot. And then um, you might come back and then you'll work with an editor to sort of like cut that piece, uh, that video, so it's ready to go out and broadcast. 
Where an alternative, when I've worked, so I've done that with TV. I hope that's sort of clear, the back of mm-hmm. the top line, what sort of TV assistant producer does or AP. Mm-hmm. And then in digital, when I've worked with you know, working now and this evening, working in the digital teams with the, on the Winter Olympics, I'll actually edit the content myself. So I'll like watch, um, I don't know, it could be, I'm not sure, I could be on curling, say, okay, uh, this evening. And I would literally edit on like Premiere Pro the highlights of, say, the curling final, mm-hmm. for example. And then I'm watching that and something really funny happens. I'm like, oh, great, that'll work for TikTok. So then I have to edit another version that works for TikTok. Um, and, you know, you get also edit bits for social media, like to Instagram, Twitter as well, on top of the TikTok stuff and maybe the wider highlights, what would go on like YouTube, etc. So I would edit stuff for YouTube. Mm-hmm. Whereas like from working with TV, you normally work with an actual sort of professional editor that edits all the time and mm-hmm. um, just because there's you know lots of other sort of obstacles to go through to make sure that it's all um right for broadcast essentially it's going on bbc one so yes yeah, so that role differs an assistant producer differs across what teams you've been on i've been quite lucky to work across different teams across tv and digital but i've just wanted that's what i've wanted to do because i've wanted to come like an all-round assistant producer i want to be like a a concert producer that can sort of do everything you know I'd like to be able to make the best content myself if that's been filming it editing it making directing it it's always just sort of been my sort of ambition that I can learn to work across different platforms and make content across platform you know TV mm-hmm. digital that's just something I've wanted to do essentially some assistant producers just work primarily only on digital or only on radio or only on tv but you know, we're going into a bit of a, you know, we're moving into the digital age and, and the TV landscape and the, you know, media landscape is changing quite a lot. And I do feel that people, you know, it's a competitive industry as it is. I think to be the best at your job, you've got to be multi-skilled. I think, or else you're going to you know, sort of become less employable as, as you go on sort of through your career. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely sort of been my recent ambition is to, you know, sort of, dip my toes in many things mm-hmm. uh, but now I've got this sort of permanent contract that I've recently been given as an assistant producer it means that you know I'm able to do that and I'm sort of got a nice secure place like in in the BBC um, to sort of learn and navigate around and navigate around the business essentially but um, yeah as I, I sort of reference to like oh I've got this permanent contract mm-hmm. just to like so sideline said BBC is it's quite a complicated institution in the sense that you will a lot of the contracts a lot of people are freelance that work for BBC so they don't necessarily work all the time for BBC but a lot of people you know they employ people for a certain production or a certain show or a certain event mm. therefore a lot of the contracts they offer are like fixed terms so they might be like six months three months nine months 12 mm. 18 and you always have to apply for these uh, sort of shorter contracts and then sort of they don't come with more or less frequent and permanent jobs therefore you're that is your permanent base and that's your permanent job within the business is like a permanent contract and I was lucky to get a permanent contract after being at the BBC after like about 12 months of being there so that was from 2017 2018 it was in 2018 sorry 
I got a permanent contract in 2019, but that was as a production management assistant. So I was more of a junior job. And that was like my first job in the BBC. And then since then, I've sort of just been, I've just had different attachments. So I've had different jobs. Mm. I've still had this like permanent role underneath all that. And mm. um, you sort of tied to, if that makes sense. But it's been great because in the last month, I've, I've been able to get an AP job um, at permanent level, which is obviously like good for, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to, some, something, um, and, you know, well well done on yourself as well, because I know there's a lot of people, as I say, I know of a lot of people that would want to work for the BBC that necessarily, you know, have tried and haven't gotten it. So, you know, good for yourself. But, you know, you, as you were saying, um, with it being a competitive industry as well, is that there's that thing as well as um, what we were getting, you know, we were speaking about um, as in the, a couple of guys I know, and we were saying that, it does seem to nowadays you can go and get a degree in that great fantastic you know it's obviously hard work it's it's not easy to get a degree but you do need to have that outside appearance now there's like whether that be a following or podcast youtube or yeah. any, any anything as long as it's on the right path there does need to be like you know what what would you say to that one as well actually would you say that you kind of do need to have like that part of 100%. you as well as the degree or what's your 100 percent Listen, Kyle, like, I'll be straight up honest, like, I, you know, I, I was looking at this really good university, I went to University of Manchester, like, had an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Did that benefit me in my career? Not what, it didn't add anything to where I am now. Honestly, I, I feel like I could have got where I am now without that. Mm-hmm. 100%, I can straight up say that. Um, I, I studied English language, and I actually, I sort of, wow. well, how I, it was nothing related to sort of me in media production whatsoever in content making at all. I mean, I chose, a, you know, a more sort of general degree because I actually just wanted to go to the University of Manchester. And, I, and I, I, even though that I chose that and I knew it would benefit in the wider sort of where I wanted to be in my career, I sort of knew at 18 before that, well, probably way before that, I sort of wanted to work. In media and I always love to work in BBC I sort of knew that before I even went to uni but I still made a choice that wasn't really a step in the right direction you know I could have gone to maybe software the uni instead of media production and be sat next to you know work you know studying next to the BBC in the offices but I sort of just wanted to go to University of Manchester not sure why really at the time but it, you know I, I'm it was the best decision I made because I you know made you know amazing friends and amazing partner from being there and um enjoyed every minute I've learned and learned a lot and it pushed me out of my comfort zone but absolutely to your point that the stuff actually in your side is is the things that make you stand out and don't get me wrong it's great get a great degree and when you're there you make the most of it and you want to get the best grade possible um but every, you know a lot of everyone, everyone else is sort of doing that as well and I think nowadays in like this society in competitive in most industries in particularly obviously the, the media industry has always been like it, you know has been sort of everyone knows there's quite a few obstacles to getting in there and a lot of it is everything that you're doing in your free time and that if, if that's a you know like you like you said that's a podcast having you know youtube um show or anything really that's just sometimes just reaching out and volunteering shadowing people when you are studying um, and making those contacts because at the end of the day like it's who you know. And I, I, when I, I remember when I was at school, you know, I, went, I, I grew up in a small town, like people didn't work. I didn't know anyone that worked 
in the media and the BBC it just wasn't like a thing you know where I was from and um I remember even telling people when I was a bit younger oh yeah I'm, yeah I want to work in TV blah, blah, blah. just get a real job sort of thing I'm like yeah and for me like I remember it was I just remember when I was younger and I remember a woman saying that to me when I was at like some like family friend barbecue and that it really just stuck with me and it just like I am a bit stubborn like that anyway and I'm just like no, I I will do that, and I I very much believe myself. But when I in the right headspace and I and I you know focus that this is what I want, I feel like I can make it happen. And I feel like anybody has that ability to do that. And sometimes it's that will and desire to commit to what you're thinking is sort of the hardest thing. And just to have that faith in yourself that you can do it. Um, and like I said, it's sort of just it's setting that goal and being like, yeah, I want to work in this. Um, and it's sort of putting them steps in place I mean a lot of it, it's just finding what you enjoy you know like I growing up I liked playing sport enjoyed watching sport enjoyed watching TV and you're like alright why can't I get why can't I have a job in like the things that are my hobbies you know that that is what it is and that might be media it might be something something else but it's just I just think you go to work every day you spend so much of your life working why do we not even course you want it complicates for everyone I get I get that but like want to make your working life as enjoyable as possible and it makes it so much easier when you're actually passionate when you actually care because getting up and going to work is just so much easier you know everyone has bad days don't get me wrong and everyone's like oh I can't be bothered today or whatever but when 90 you know 95 percent of the time you're pretty buzzing to go to work that is that is the one and I just think yeah when you're younger, just look at yourself and be like, you know, school sort of put things on you like, oh, do this, do this, do this. And I think it can be disheartening for some kids at school that aren't naturally gifted and, and, and test smart, as I say, like people aren't good at doing a test. Because that's all it is. It's when you master the art of like doing an exam, that, that's a skill within itself. And I, I wasn't like, you know, don't get me wrong, I was pretty average at school, like, but you always want, as any young person, you want to be able to stand out. You want to be good at something. You know, you want to find what you're good at. And I think that'd be my message to anyone that is younger. It's just like finding what you're passionate about, what you care about, and think, right, how can I make this into a job? You know, that is that is that is the thing. And I think um, it's just noticing that when you are younger and just knowing what you care about and seeing what steps you can to make that into a career one way or another, you know. And, for me, I, you know, I love sport. Wasn't going to be an athlete, you know, you sort of don't know, but okay, well, how can I get into sports another way and, you know, make it happen? And it's, yeah, it's a big that. world. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? There's a lot of jobs out there, isn't there? There's a lot of jobs out there, there's a lot of jobs you don't know about. And I didn't know about anything, any sort of jobs. And it's sort of sometimes you just got to do your own, do your own digging. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask that there, like, you know, you were saying about how, uh, you know, you love sport and things like that. But was that, you're saying you weren't, I'm not saying this because I didn't actually know you back then, but you you were yeah. saying you weren't very athletic, is a nice way to put it. So is that why you didn't get involved in sport, like as in playing it? Or if you could have done it, would you have gotten involved that way as well, like a player well, or a coach or something? I, I did. I was always, I've always played football since growing up. I was always played football. Um, it's always my sport. Football is my sport. I've spent the majority of my time in BBC working on football, men's, women's football. So I've always played that since I was younger. And I played at uni. That was at, U at university. That was a big part of my, I was the captain 
football at university and I'm really committed to that probably more than my studies in, in some ways because that's what I enjoyed um, and I play a bit of golf as well now now that I sort of play less football play more golf but um, I you know always something I'm really passionate about I've got a heart condition I could have never been an athlete for the obvious reason that I like, physically couldn't you know so not that and when you sort of know that you know probably had a heart condition for a while so you never even think being an athlete is never even like an option because you know that it just would never be possible. So you don't even commit to caring about wanting to do something because you just can't. But, you know, I still grew up playing sport and um, enjoying playing sport and watching it. So there you sort of think, oh, yeah, maybe there's something in sort of that content. But, you know, you see presenters on, and, you know, you grow up and you, obviously they weren't social media, but you watch the TV and people present these programs, oh, that's great. Like, they're living, like, the best life and they're just watching sport. And this is even before you sort of know all the jobs that go into making a TV program or content that you watch mm. as well. But, um, yeah, just for me, I just think it was, it was just that sort of marrying up the things that I sort of cared about. And I remember doing a, I chose media as an A-level I hadn't done any sort of media studies up until this point. Um, but I sort of did English and maths, which random combo with this, and theatre studies, because I just enjoyed doing drama and theatre at school. And then I chose media studies as well as an A-level. Um, never also did much, never learned so much about media as, as such. Um, and I remember one project um, where, it was like the first big project that we had to do, and I had to sort of create a music video, so to come up with, like, the idea and you actually have to go out and film it yourself and then edit it so you were doing that entire content production process mm. I'd never done anything like this before and like I said all through school like GCSE I was just very just average and it for me it wasn't satisfying me enough so I was just like average at all, all the subject and I got like 100% on that module and I was just like oh my god I was like I'm actually quite good do you know what I mean you sort of mm. especially from an academic perspective I was like I actually got a good grade I think actually just because I fully committed and I fully just put myself in it mm-hmm. and like all throughout school and college and uni I never really did that I never like give myself to the studies but um I knew I had it in me especially from doing that project in media and doing so well in that subject I knew that I had it in me to sort of you know that I could just fully commit something and really excel um and I just knew when it came to when I was working and sort of I knew I'd just be able to sort of give 100% and yeah I've really and sort of yeah. just because I enjoy it and that's what it is and that's what it would be for and every person will give 100% to some aspects of their life whatever it is I don't know we're just going to work more in sometimes it's people dealing with the children so you know every element of their life someone gives 100% and excels at something um, so you know everyone's got that ability to do that just applying it to like the right thing yeah i totally agree with you as well it's that it's fine it's like finding your niche or son it's when you're creating things as well you need to find like where you slot in in life as well but um i do want to say sorry about hearing about your heart condition i had an old friend that had a heart murmur and he tried to play football for a glen and which is like a local local one how far away is from here Oh, it's like well over an hour away now, I suppose. But anyway, it's near here somewhere. And uh, he used mm-hmm. to he used to play, and then he had to like stop playing football. And he 
it didn't he stopped playing it professionally he still plays football to this day but yeah yeah he i know i knew how he went for it so you know sorry to hear about that as well but let's get into like your your past a little bit because um we've talked about what you do presently but let's talk about your past before some some other things um you were i'm definitely starting this one you were a sales associate at office shoes as well was that after yes was that after uni or college or was that before it um, or that was at uni that was at uni so yeah I've been at uni too long and um, and then I got a job that was sort of like my first I mean I actually well it wasn't my first proper job I was I, when I worked when I was at school when I was at sixth form so I had a job at this point started sixth form and you know I was pretty good at being involved in like all the extracurricular stuff at, at sixth form and like you know all different clubs and societies I was always been good at that being all the additional stuff that comes as well with like the school and the work I enjoyed like taking part in those different activities and stuff and um because of that reason um and I was like on the like uh, school like leadership sort of team like committee and they was like oh there's some jobs available in the morning um to like <laughs> it's hilarious this is my first job it was like from half six in the morning to half eight like before school started like you know the buffering machines that you like what the caretakers use in school mm. Literally, I had to do that in the sports hall and, like, in the sixth form area. Like, that was my job. I was paid to do that every day. Bit hilarious. That was my first job. Right. Literally, like, buffering the machine from half six to half eight. So I was like... So I, I got into a good rhythm of being, like, quite hard working when I was in sixth form. So my mum and dad were like, oh, you need to get a job. You need to get extra money. And you're just sponging off us all the time. So they made me get that. And I sort of had a good work ethic from them. And then when I actually went to uni, got a job in office, um... Yet again, knew I had to sort of get a job when I got to uni, really, get a bit of extra cash. Um, quite, I love shoes, particularly trainers, quite a, quite a good trainer collection. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like starting off then, I thought, like, I'm going to get a job or work in a shop, something that works with my studies. And hopefully, I just wanted to work somewhere that I like, actually liked the brand, you know, and cared yeah. about what I was sort of selling. So, yet again, just wanted to find a job that. I would enjoy because I would enjoyed what I'd be working with so yeah I sort of just sent my CV around walked into all these different shops and just the places where I actually did shop basically mm. um just to give out my CV and, and that was great I had really good I actually really enjoyed those works it's just a bit of a laugh and making a bit of extra commission selling shoes getting good discount Happy days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, what what uh, I'm I'm a shoe head as well, but I'm not gonna see what brands I have. I'm gonna ask you first. What kind of yeah, yeah. shoes what kind of shoes are you into then? Oh I've got I mean I'm not gonna lie, I've go from like Jordan's dunks, just I've got a few superstars, some older superstars, and either superstars. Um I'm trying to, I've got some of the like more like should we say going out nice with trainers I've splashed out and things like. Like mm. Sunday Queens and Louboutins and things like that that are just a bit extortionate and overpriced. Got quite a few pairs of Yeezys. Mm. Um, yes, a lot, a lot, and some other like more just niche obscure shoes that picked up like a pair of one picked up in California. They're a bit like these Nike shoes. They're a bit like a slip on. They're like a, a bit like a Vans, but they're actually um, a Nike. I feel like I've, I've never seen them anywhere else again. I don't really wear them. They're quite similar. But uh, yeah, and just Converse, lots of yeah, the shoes. It's a, it's a. Yeah, I'm, I need I'm to a, be able to hold back. Oh, and say, um, yeah, it, it's a problem. I've, uh, I've got, I think Yeezys are like my number one 
shoes, Jordans, and then uh, Jordans are like my kind of like go-to gym shoes or gazelles. It depends, really. It all depends. I'm really like trying to stick to them because when you try and branch out, it just gets like the prices just go up and you're like, oh God, if you get a mark on them, it's like the end of your life. It's it's, I know. It's a huge problem. Shoe addiction is a problem for everybody. I know. And and one thing actually when we were talk, talking about offers and stuff, um, at the time, I mean, it was sort of when I worked in office, because I, someone who used to work to there were basically working in Offspring, which is Offspring and Office, obviously the same company, but Offspring's in Selfridges. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a job after I finished office, I ended up getting a job at Offspring. Um, so I worked at Office for a couple, a couple of years and I ended up then working in Offsprings, just all trainers. I was super passionate about that. And while I was there, I ended up picking up a few Yeezys and I was like selling some on the on the side. So like at the start, when I was studying and like I, just after when I first graduated, it was like the trainer sales were actually helping me through like when I was getting into real life. But like when I left uni and I was having to like, you know, still carry on living in Manchester, like working off. The part-time wage not great but the trainer sales so it's selling the easy has got me through honestly that helped me set up in in the media industry to be honest because it gave me a little bit of a, like financial foundation so yeah 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 thank you can yeah yeah the Yeezys are like <laughs> the, the thing i love is i know it's not about shoes but the thing, thing i love about them is they're so comfy it's, it's hard yeah. to ex- people see the prices of them but i'm like yeah but they're comfy though like there's a whole another yeah. it's comfy on your feet it's like walking on a cloud Kanye was so right it is said that. it is we're well, doing um, a podcast just about trainers <laughs> yeah i'll hit you up after this we'll definitely hit a special episode but uh yeah the now um because it's you know you were you went to the edinburgh well and it was in edinburgh i think it was in edinburgh was the network yeah. talent scheme T- yeah, did, yeah the tv did you move festival. up to edinburgh or was did you was it just through them or it was just through them. So it was, this was, so this, I was working, so after I graduated, I was working in Offspring, just as part-time, getting in that extra cash, selling them trainers, um, just funding my way, like just living in Manchester, basically. But at this point, um, why I sort of, some of my friends graduated and got straight into like a grad job, et cetera. I knew that now that I was like, no, this is my chance of getting, getting into the media. And I remember saying to my dad, I was like, right, dad. I was like, at the time I was, so I was 21, I was like, dad, I was, be in the BBC by the time I'm 25. I, was, I felt that was quite a, like, that wasn't an ambitious goal at all. Like now I look back, I'm like, I should have been a bit more like, you know, I was pretty, giving myself quite a lot of slack there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I thought, no, I need to start, you know, reaching out, doing a bit of work experience. Cause to be honest, I didn't make the most of doing that when I was at uni. I didn't do much of that when I was studying. Uh, I did a bit of stuff with like, um, with, within the university, like they do lots of like media clubs, et cetera. But I never um, sort of were reaching out to any like independent companies across Manchester and stuff. Um, so when I graduated working in Offspring, I did I did do that. I sort of remember knocking on doors in in the town centre of Manchester. Like I researched a list of every like media production company. They're like just a small independent company, or they could have even been a post production company. Like I just basically got a long list of like ten different companies, and I printed off my CV and I just like knocked on the door. So it's all very pre-COVID times and all. Um, <clears throat> just knocked on the door and was a bit like, oh, like, introduced myself, like, hi, can I just hand in my CV just to um, look in for a bit of work experience or shadowing, et cetera. Um, and I was quite lucky, actually. There was one, per- one of the companies got back to me and they were like, you, 
we really like that you came in and like said hello and knocked on the door and we're like we'd like to offer you a bit of to come in the office and do a bit of like office running so you sort of go in to get I don't it'd be maybe they were like a production service company so it was their job to sort of plan might be a company who uh, they were called Sugar Free TV so they gave me my first big break so we like big shout out to them but they um um they basically sort of like if a production was coming from London and they wanted to do some filming in the Northwest, they would use this service company and the service company would sort of like help with the locations and provide sort of staffing up in the North. So it was a good way to like meet people in the entire production. And they'd sometimes want me to like go out and get supplies and sort of just help with booking things. And mm. um, so, yeah, I went in the office one day for that and um, I don't know, yeah, I just really got on and they kept giving me like extra little shifts and, extra little bits of work so on side of me doing my uh, job at Offspring. So it was great, really. That's gave me that foot in the door. And then I heard about this thing called the network, like you asked, the network talent scheme. I think, I don't know, I think it was from research or maybe it was on social media. And the, the basically, the, ta- the network talent scheme is amazing because it's based like a, it's only a week up in Edinburgh, but it's a crash course to working in television and media. And the point of it is that they take um, a group of I think, 30 or 40 people from across the UK, all into Edinburgh, and you're basically working with like industry um, professionals. And like, it was, um, what's it called? The guy that does um, Charlie Booker. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, he, he was there, he did a bit of a workshop with us. Like, you didn't workshop with like the head of Channel 4, like, you know, content makers, like, big like famous directors mm. um and essentially like you're also like it's a bit like a networking event as well because it's like people are there like showcasing the work doing talks not on not just to us but also to industry professionals so loads of people are there from across the industry so it's just a really good opportunity to sort of like introduce yourself and get tips from people you do a bit of a cv masterclass and like just ways of helping you get in the industry and the point is that afterwards you sort of, they'll help connect you with different companies and get, let you get those little, you know, first steps in the door mm. in the industry. Um, so I got on that. I think it helped that I'd sort of prove that I'd been reaching out already and done little bits of work running, like I said, for Sugar Free and stuff in Manchester. That really helped. And mm. yeah, when I went on the network, that for me was the... That was sort of that gave me my foot in the door at the BBC essentially because this is where I, this is where when I referred to before it's like it's who you know this it really is who you know and like I said I didn't have any contacts but I made the contacts and by making the contacts it gives you the job you know so I remember there was a CV workshop and it was actually with somebody who was from the talent team at the BBC so they're essentially responsible for the recruitment. Um, of BBC that's their job and they were doing the CV workshop and I thought right well okay we're doing the CV workshop but I, I was like I need to speak to this woman she works in BBC Sports like, perfect for me I just need to be I need to reach out to her like, I really want to work in BBC Sport like how can I make it happen and it was great like she was just really helpful in terms of like how to present the CV and how to go about applying for like work placements in 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 the BBC and it just meant that they did like maybe six months after I think I was on the network, there was these applications open for work experience in BBC Sport and it was for the Commonwealth Games in 2018. 
and yeah, I got on. And and I, I don't doubt in my mind, I might not have had the best application, put that way. But I already met this woman. She knew I was really keen. She knew what I was like face to face. Sort of like she will have been responsible for taking in those applications and giving people the placement. So, like, that's why I said that the networking and who you know is the right thing because it's so much easier to get a job when you've met someone, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Did, um, so. And the thing is, as well, is that you always have to do these, like, um, you know, work ever since I've even spoken to people from uh, Bauer Media and they've yeah. all said the same thing. You, you have to have, like, um, the the free work as they say like you're welcome yeah, to like yeah. volunteer and stuff because it's the only way because how are they supposed to know who you are from a bit paper or exactly. even your social that's why like the whole um that's why you know a question as as well as that um would before I actually say what I was going to say do you mm. think necessarily that um especially nowadays with the media industry being so I know this sounds like common sense but with it being so online versus the telly yeah. and radio and things like that do you think you necessarily yeah. do need to watch what like you post on social media nowadays and who you are and how you present yourself and things like that? I think so. I think so. Listen, like, I haven't been in a position, you know, yet where I'm sort of recruiting people myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't not but put it this way. If you've got a reputation on social media, you know, and if people, you know, and that reputation comes in two ways. People can, like you said, you can be famous on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, or, you know, you can have these profiles, you can be doing these shows like you're doing, and, and these things can go in one or two ways. Like, it'd be the best thing because you're showing that you're doing something that's super positive mm. and, you know, and great, making great content, or it could be super negative. If you're doing, if you're, if you're known in a negative way, you know, like on social media or you're posting things that are somewhat controversial, then absolutely that will have an effect on recruitment mm-hmm. and how, and, you know, people getting jobs. And, you know, there's this, this line of like, being like oh, is, it, is it, you know, you sh- is it freedom of speech? You'll be able to say and do what you want. But at the end of the day, if you're putting stuff out there for everybody to see and read what you're saying, you know, you're putting yourself in a position to be judged. And if that's going to be from someone that's going to offer you a job, Mm-hmm. or someone that might just want, I don't know someone that's one of your friends like that's what you do you know it's like I said it can be yeah your best like social media can be your best friend or your worst enemy and at the end of the day you sort of you're in control of that narrative you know and it is it is the best thing because it gives people platform to like you know like yourself doing this that that like it gives people a platform to 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 to, to make whatever content they want you know, which is which is which is so good, but also at the same time, it gives people people a platform to be you know really shitty on Twitter and be mean to people and like put it this way: I don't know if if you know someone that's recruiting is looking through everybody's Twitter and Instagram posts. I'm, I'm I really can't add to that. But if they do say, or you know, if someone's come in and done a shift or the work experience in the office and someone just go oh it's looking like you know like you do like everyone, everyone has a, like a little insta stalk or whatever like everyone everyone does it mm-hmm. you know and you and, you, and if, you, if you find to doing that and you're like oh no this said some pretty controversial things you think why do you people don't want to you know it's like they you build in your own persona aren't you at the end of mm-hmm. the day um and that is yeah so i do think in that sense it does it can affect 
you know, you get a job if that's the right if that's the right thing. I don't know. I'm not the one to sort of you know. I think so. I not just think in media and stuff. I think a lot of I've, I've heard it a lot, and sometimes you know, obviously in recruitment and in other areas of, of in different sort of career paths where they generally do sort of like vet people on social media, you know. But I don't know if that happens within TV and 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 media as such but um it does happen and mm. it's sort of one of the things it's inevitable you sort of can't control that even if people think that's right or not you can't prevent people from doing it so like i just think you know. i i i feel you as well and what you're saying is I, i'm um as people will know that have seen this and watched the podcast before i'm very like you do i, I think you do because at the end of the day it doesn't come down to like um you know, for example, if, you know, well, use yourself, you know, you're putting something, obviously you work for the BBC. So at the end of the day, somebody would, could phone them up and be like, listen, you know, Keely's posting this online, you know, yeah. how do you have this person? And it goes from the complaints department. I'm get, I don't know how BBC works. I'm just take a wild guess here. The complaints department, and then it'll go to your department. And then somebody will come to you and be like, why are you posting stuff online? And well, oh no, that's, that's a massive, that is a massive thing. It's at the moment, in terms of working for the BBC, mm-hmm. it's impartial. You're working for an impartial institution, and we've had recent training within the last twelve months. And social media has come into that much more, much more of a focus. That, especially if you're working on editorial content, that myself, you're making up, you're responsible for making content. You shouldn't. We are told you shouldn't be somewhat like um, politically biased on social media. You shouldn't be sort of saying controversial things you know you still need to be reflective of what your role is at the BBC and that's just what comes with the job you know you can't be a journalist or you can't be someone that's presenting I don't know reporting on the news um about you know being in Westminster that you go on late that night and you're like oh, really um, yeah slating that slating the, the Tory party or Slating the the, the Labour party as, as such you know and saying I particularly stand with this I don't with this you can't do that because that's that's what you get from the BBC. You know, you've got to be impartial to certain subjects, um, and it is quite it's complex and it's complicated. And um, there's you know been recent debate recently at the BBC about you know you sort of you know you sort of told you're not supposed to be also making political standpoints and going to um, marches or protests. Mm-hmm. And there was a big sort of debate around them. There was sort of people being concerned in work that oh what we can't sort of go to I don't know LGBT marches and, and protests and it and it is it's not about that. I mean you supposed I think people sort of maybe got the wrong message from that. You know the BBC doesn't discriminate against things that are like you know that are, that are wrong essentially you know you know it's racism sexism like homophobia that doesn't BBC doesn't you know it's not impartial on things like that Mm -hmm. but um you know you can't be seen to be making political um sort of certain political statements you can't be seen to be um at political marches and that's just yeah that's sort of just what what you get with the job so that's why yeah social media is important like that and you sort of do you know, I have, there's been times that I have thought twice about sometimes what I post things. And that's not like, for example, I've got a lot of my bosses and things on Instagram, who, you know, follow me and whatever. And I'm, 
that's not going to stop me from being on holiday and being like, oh, going out clubbing and putting videos on the club because I think this is my personal profile as well. You know, I'm normal. I'm a normal person. I enjoy going out and living a life as well. Like if I'm on holiday, I'm going out doing whatever. I'm not going to hold back from posting stuff like that. I'm like, they're following my personal account. You know, that's simple as that. Um, But there's been times where you sort of think, little things I remember it was the American elections and there's some really funny memes around about like Donald Trump mm. it's good like slating him I really just I was like, oh, I'm sharing these I'm sharing these I didn't share them I was like, oh, should I be sharing this and I'm like there's all that impartiality thing in terms of like you know American politics as well and I'm like oh, I don't even work in news and politics I work in sport but I'm like oh like you thought think twice oh should I of course, everyone's got their own belief, mm. but like you can't be seen to be being, you know, one-sided a certain way. Even if that's how you feel, you know, you just got to have a certain, um, you know, image of persona that you have to represent because you work for a company like the BBC. But um, yeah, it's there's a lot of like nuances in it. It's quite complex in terms of that wider impartiality thing yeah. with the BBC but um yeah I guess overall answering your question like yeah, I guess you sort of have to be aware of what you post yeah yeah it's like um as well as like the whole you know job side of it it's like um I think you said you had a partner as well am I quite right in saying that yeah 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 what you post on social media could come back to them could come back to like you know your mum your dad you yeah know, any other siblings yeah. you have as well so it's just that, that's another huge thing as well. It's like, it, no matter what you say or do, there's more than a job. It's, you know, so-and-so said this, how could you let, not let them, but you understand what I mean? Like, how could you yeah. feel that it's acceptable not to say something and all that? But that, that's another road that... 100%. I mean, I mean, I don't know how it's sort of related to that, but it's just reminded me that um, last year, um, I um, wrote an article for LGBT History Month. And... Wow. I obviously work in video, I work in video content and but it was a written article, some written pieces of something I've never done before, but I pitched an idea for something um about Udi Simrani, who's um she was an African woman and she was murdered being a lesbian um about 20 years ago. And um yeah, there's lots of research on, on this sort of story. I thought this, this is a great story. It really it's not been and it's not been widely sort of spoken about. You know, it's a really good story and it's really topical. And I thought, I pitched it for an idea, but someone said, can you do it as a written piece? And I'm not like, you know, I've not done loads of written stuff before, but I thought they're like, no, you know, you can work with like a senior journalist. They'll help you like in terms of the structure inside of it. I went ahead and did it and I did some research. I spoke to people who like, family, people that knew her family and um, people that set up her, like the Simone Foundation in Africa and loads of stuff like that and um, I made I wrote really, article, I was actually really really proud of it actually in the end and I thought it's really quite provocative in some ways but really like bold and, um, and the headline of the article was like Udi Simone, the footballer murdered for being a lesbian so it was for BBC Sport to just post that with a headline, I remember I had like a senior journalist called me uh, the day before it was being public, publicised and was like, right, listen, I just got to give you a heads up and be like, people 
might find you on social media and like might have something to say about the article just because obviously it's got your name next to it. And I was like, I'm not bothered. I thought, you know what, I'm not bothered because I thought I'm actually really proud of this. And like, it's a great story I'm telling. Like, I'm telling someone's story on a big platform and on a, on a sport platform as well, like, on an, with an audience that wouldn't necessarily read something like this. So I was quite proud of it. And don't get me wrong, like, I got uh, some amazing responses. There was a million people read the article, which is quite a lot for it. It's, it's, a, it's a lot for the kids sport sort of article of that sort of type. Um, and, you know, loads of great messages. But I remember, like, looking in my Instagram, my inbox, like, you know, where there's sort of, like, the messages that haven't come directly through to you. The yeah, like, yeah. yeah, the request. And uh, mm. it was, like, some guy just sent the most, like, message it was so bad like it's like this the worst of, and, like, and it just why this sort of sort of reminded me just out to your point how you sort of like saying sometimes you really want to go back to people and sort of you know you sort of that on social media you want to sometimes you want to defend yourself and you sort of mm-hmm. have to and I sort of was like at the same time I'm sort of a person that I would say something you know someone said something to me so you know I would say something back so I think if I someone's wrong I would correct someone if someone's being unreasonable I'm just that sort of person but I looked at it and I was very much I just like laughed actually you know sometimes you don't know how you're going to react to a moment like that where someone is literally giving you like a load of hate in a really quite nasty way you're sort of like you don't know how you're going to react until you get that sort of message but actually I was surprised I was sort of just a bit like no I was like I actually don't bother because I know that I've done something quite good you know and the good outweighs the sort of bad that I was like yeah what let it slide but yeah. it is interesting sort of that how you know it does one what you wonder like, how different people you know it feels people in a different way like some people might want to go back to that person you know, you know it, give them sort of abuse back but I don't know yeah it comes I'm, I've been one person that like you know, throughout my life and that has experienced has been like off and on social media due to like, you know, people being um, a great, exa- a great, you know, way I can relay that to yourself is that I bet if that guy um, uh, had seen you in the street, he wouldn't say that. Like, yeah, 100%. Right past you. Yeah, this is the yeah. thing that, that I was with, that I was, you know, I've been off and on social media with people and then, you know, because I'm a type of person, like if somebody replies back, like, you know, if somebody gave me um hate or something like that I'd be like okay cool you know I'll catch you around yeah. the street or something like that not realizing yeah. what that actually meant at the time because I was younger and I wasn't switched on properly and it yeah. did get me a little bit trolled by the amount of people that would just like completely ignore you and then completely talk mm. about you to you and on like yeah. I seen you today you were wearing I don't know a blue jumper I don't like blue or all this you know all this sort of nonsense stuff it's yeah but the, the fact that, like, they're, they're in a simple thing, if it doesn't matter if the person's, like, you know, straight K or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that, like, yeah. they actually wrote that. So it's, it's it's awesome, to be honest with you. It's awesome. But you always get hate no matter what you do. Because I think it comes down to the end of the day, he might be yeah. wanting to write for the BBC and be like, I can't do it. So how can I yeah. how can I get you to stop doing it? It's to give you hate to see if you just cut out and leave. And yeah, that side of it as well. It's, it's, it's crazy. But... And that's the same for you. Like, yeah, you said, you're doing what you're doing. And... and it's just the people don't have the courage to do that you know yeah, and I just think, uh, it is fun and it, it just says so much about that individual that's doing that but I, I, I actually don't really go on Twitter I, I have it sometimes because I contact people through work but I never post and not that for any reason that like I don't I don't know feel like 
it's any sort of conversation that I have. I just don't like some of the toxic sort of environment that's created and like the con- like the stuff that people say. I think that more than I get it, it happens on every platform. Mm. Um, but I've seen it so much more on that one. For me, I'm just like, I just don't like people's negativity. I don't get it. I wouldn't do it. And I just think, is it just these people are just not content in mm. their own life, you know? And I just think it just you don't need to speak. Like if it's not worth saying or if it's not nice, just don't say it at all. And like you said. It's just keyboard warriors at the end of the day, you know. I just, I just remember not. This is. I was trying to think there when you were talking. I was like, what was the name of that program that the BBC were doing? I couldn't remember what it was called, but like, anyway, there was on Facebook. I don't use. I have a Facebook, obviously, for the podcast and that. It's a page, but I have the page, but I think it's got like, who's it got on it? Um, David and Owen, which are two boys. Owen's a foot, something to do with football, and David's like, I don't know what he does, but anyway, two media guys. Shout out to you guys, I guess. But anyway. So when uh, I was scroll, I was scrolling through that because they were wanting me to share something for them on the page, and then it come the BBC were looking for um, a presenter. Was it three presenters aged under twenty five and one aged um, over fifty five? I could have got the numbers wrong or the letters, but anyway. Yeah. And um, I was like, I'm not going to put twenty seven. I was like, I'm not going to apply for that, but I'm going to read the comments because, well, it was like it obviously had been posted hours before, but it was like one in the morning. And uh, I was like scrolling through it, and the amount of people were that were slating the BBC and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, somebody had commented on it. I really wanted to befriend the guy. Somebody had commented on it, been like, just to let you know, um, if some, if you, any of you are trying to get a job for the BBC and you're writing this sort of stuff, you know, well, let's see what happens. And I had like 480 comments, and I went to sleep, and I woke up <laughs> in the morning, and it had 275 comments. The amount of comments uh, had been wiped completely because people yes. were like. I just remembered that there. I should have probably brought that up earlier, but I was trying, to, interesting. trying to think. It. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, the fact that, like, you can't... Yeah, you do need to watch. It's crazy. People, yeah, people blow my mind, to be mm. honest. But anyway, <laughs> you work for the BBC because you have a huge, huge resume with the BBC. Um, so you had an internship with a, a BBC Sport Work Placement. How did... Um, for Like, we'll do two parts. We'll do, like... What did you do, or how did you get it? And then what did you do? We'll, we'll do two parts of it. Yeah, no, cool. So like I was saying, mainly it was going back to when I was on the network, and it was me sort of having that conversation with the person that was doing the CV masterclass, and she worked at the BBC. Mm-hmm. So it was just basically just from giving, her giving me tips and a bit of um, me sort of putting myself out there, being like, how do I work there? I really want to work there. I love sport, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and she sort of helped me how to do the application and because she knew me and because she met me previously mm. um, we sort of um, when it came to applying when the work placements came up put in the application and um, sort of got a place from there really so it was it was basically from being at the networks like I was saying everything I seemed to do at that point after like graduating when I was working in offspring and sort of reaching out to different companies it was all one thing seemed to lead to another it was like my first job at the sugar-free tv that led to me finding out about the network and then being on the network um was the thing that got me into the bbc but whilst all that was sort of going on i was picking up other little bits of running jobs like runners jobs on productions on like adidas campaigns it was like tech the campaigns in manchester and it's all just word of it's sort of when you do one thing i feel like a bit like dominoes mm-hmm. with this industry you know it's sort of one the, the getting my foot in the door and getting that first ever job at Sugar Free TV in the office the day that I knocked on. From there, one thing sort of went to another. Um, but up to that point, you know, it was difficult. I remember knocking on the doors, like I said, every company in Manchester, and 
95% of them never get back, but you just go around and sort of do it again. And it is that sort of like the rejection or the failure or not hearing back, you just have to not even think twice about it because it's not personal, you know, it's sort of just keep going. And yeah, that one thing sort of led to another. And then when I started on the work placement, I remember hearing about it in January, 2018, January 2018, I remember them called me up saying, you know, you've got on the work placement, it's from February, it's at the start of February till um, the end, it was a full month. So it was two weeks like helping in the office on the Commonwealth Games, and then it was two weeks being a runner on the actual Commonwealth Games event when it was on mm. in 2018. And um, I was still working at the time. I told my boss in offspring, who was great with me, like he's still good friends now. Um, he basically was like, I said to him, I was like, oh, like, got, you know, I've got a BBC, he knew I wanted to be working there for so long. I said, oh, am I all right just to work weekends? And I still, you know, I didn't want to dr- drop that job and everything all at once because you know it could have been just for four weeks at the BBC mm. I was going into it being like that's it now don't want to, I need to, this needs to lead to something else I had that mindset I was like I need to find something else in those four weeks in the BBC um but yeah selling my job at Offsprings at the weekend so it was a busy old month I was working every day for the month but it was so worth it um it was yeah it was like I said just I just made the most of that opportunity I had the four weeks there I thought I've got to give 100% everything I do. I remember running a script from like one building to where the studio was, was in another building. And I was like, I just, I was like running across like the piazza and I got a script there super quick. And they were all the directors, oh my God, so quick. It's the little things, you know, sometimes, you know, it's just like the, like something like that. It's just, I don't know why I was running across, to be honest. I just felt like I was just rushing across and like Mm -hmm. something so simple, but people, oh no, you've done that, like, good you know like making yeah, yeah. teas but like having it like I was with the presenters and it, it was Claire Bolden at the time and, and Gabby Logan and I just being friendly having those conversations like having a bit of a laugh not being down the throat asking them questions but just being friendly mm. and that is actually all it's about make it asking people you know giving everybody you know who wants a team just the little 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 things and just being yourself and sort of being sort of friendly person and being helpful goes a long way. And just, I was doing that with, I think rather than just all around the talent or all around the executive producers, I think if you're good with everyone, you treat everyone the same who you're working with. That is the key to it for me, I felt, because sometimes your next job doesn't come from the most senior person that's on the production. It's sometimes the, I don't know, the medic. You know, sometimes the person that you've been having conversations with next to the coffee van, but, you know, they've still been working in the industry for 20 years. They might be working in a department that you think, you know, they're not going to get me another job, but they do, you know. It's sometimes just about being sort of a a friendly and approachable to everyone. Um, I think that did help me in that sense because it was just that other people were like, oh, well, I hear there's a job coming up in radio. um, They're like, I've I've worked with someone in radio and they're looking for a production management assistant, which I said before is sort of, assisting the production management team in terms of setting up productions and booking things, booking transport, um, you know, arranging everyone's travel, booking studios. And someone's like, oh, there's doing like a freelance contract for like three months downstairs, I'll put your name forward. It's always a bit like that, sort of, you know, you keep that, you sort of got to keep the, keep the, sort of just like I said, being approachable and get on with everyone, but you just don't know, like, 
everyone's got contact at the end of the day. And um, so, yeah, that sort of went from there. I ended up actually getting three months working in radio sport after that as a production management assistant. Um, so I was just, I was thrilled really because for me, I was like, oh, I've done three months at the BBC. Still kept my job at Offspring. I remember I was doing like a shift at the weekend. So I was, you know, for about four months, I was working at least six days a week. Um, but I wasn't bothered. I was enjoying it all, really. Um, and then, because the, the, I've been doing this production management assistant job then a few months, there was um, vacancies. And there's always vacancies at the BBC. You know, they come up once, twice a year, sometimes more frequently than that. And a lot of it is, I don't know, when you're in the BBC and you've got the work under your belt and you know people, it's 25 million times easier to get the job than if you've never worked there before and you're just applying for it with no experience in the industry. Like, it's just so tricky. If you've worked in another broadcast, if you've worked in a broadcast environment and you're an external person, that's great, that's easier. But if you haven't, it's so difficult. And, um, you know, I've been doing that job then for three months. The job came up on TV. TV football as a production management assistant. So that was like the, more, the junior person within the TV football team. You know, it was a job where you'd work on match the day at the weekend with like the guests, the presenters, you'd be getting food for them, you'd sort out the travel, and you'd go to the FA Cup games. You're sort of like a bit like a PA at the weekend. You're looking after all like the presenters and stuff. Then in the week, you're doing like a lot of the planning, booking things, booking travel, um, set help set up shoots. And that job came up, it was a year contract. I thought that's my dream job, that. I thought that is, that is, that is all, you know, that was perfect for me working on football. Mm. Um, and I got it because, you know, I was so passionate about it. I knew I wanted to do it. I knew it's just exactly what I wanted to attain and had this experience already from the work experience, from, um, from the stuff in radio and, and I got it. And then, then I was like, that's it, I'm sorted now. But that, that's it. The rest, you know, we'll work on the rest. I'll work on the next steps. Even though I knew, like I was saying, I wanted to go into that content making. I wanted to be uh, making content. The editorial side, but it doesn't matter. When you're in the BBC, the rest comes after, you know, you sort of can mould your own your own story there. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. At that point, I think ever since I was younger, I was like, I just... I this ambition. I want to get in the BBC, but when I was there, I want to be able to make great content. Mm-hmm. And I just think making great content, like you, like you are now, like sort of, it's about you know being able to. For me, I was like, I want to be able to film, learn how to film. I want to be able to like produce. You be listening to, to Ed Kyle's convoy. I want to be able to present content because I think I'd love to. You know, I even still in my free time, now, I'm like, would I like to do something like what you're doing now? You know, you sort mm-hmm. of doing a bit of podcast and like this. It's still something that. I think I would like to do, you know, just as a bit of a side hustle on the side of me doing my job. And you're still making content, you know, I just think, yeah, that's what I was, I was actually going to ask you that. Would you ever do that? Would you ever do like, um, come like, um, just because we spoke about it and just because like literally just because it would you ever do like um, I don't know, podcast shoes or like become something yeah. like even just like even like um you know, like in my spare what, time, so, yeah. Yeah, I think of because for influencer, that's the word. And would yeah, you influence become it. an influencer? That take is that. Would you like yeah. to be that, that, that forward in content, or would you like maybe like take a step back? Or what's your opinion on that? Yeah, you know what? I, I think I would. I, well, I, I know I would. I, I always have wanted to. I've just never really made the steps to do so. Obviously, I've spent the last four years being quite focused on getting in the industry and getting a job working in 
content mm. but I've not really done anything for myself in that sense and thought all right how do I, you know maybe do I build my own profile or mm. sort of do I start my own little show on YouTube or something you know build something up that way yeah, um sure. I, do, I do I just haven't I guess I haven't done it yet and that's for me is a bit of a and that's sometimes I'm like oh I need to make it happen and I do think you know I've recently got a bit of like a goal planner and stuff and set my goals up for my career and my day job and all that but I've also put on there as well to do something a bit like you know to do a bit of maybe a bit, a bit of presenting um and if that is sort of creating my own I don't know do a bit of a podcast or YouTube I don't know I sort of haven't navigated how I should best do that mm-hmm. uh, but it is something I'm looking looking to do yeah you should yeah I always I don't I encourage to be honest with you I'm one of those people that um like I said with the those two names I mentioned and uh, Billy another guy he runs a uh, con- what's it called currently country shout out to you I guess it's like a country radio station in the UK it's actually really cool I'm not yeah, I, was ne- nice. I never knew nothing about country music and then he introduced me to it and I was like it's actually it's quite good. cool yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. good so I'm he in- does that and I said to him I was like look the, the you may as well like the, the thing is though it's it's free to do like well, obviously yeah. your time and things like that and you'll obviously know how to create intros and things so I mean it's free that way to do so you, you have the talent it's just about like the only thing I say to people is it's time consuming. That's the only thing. Yeah. At the end of the day, so like it doesn't does it really matter? You know, that's the thing. Yeah, and and there is that thing like you you know you're saying and what we were sort of going back to before is that barrier of like you know you put yourself out there to the world you know and you sort of you're opening yourself up to I would say criticism well obviously criticism but also yeah. judgment and like sometimes well what your friends think and they're like you know it is that sort of and that's the only thing I think holding me back, which sometimes annoys me sometimes, is that I sort of, I do care what people think in every aspect. And sometimes it, that for me has been my, like, it's been the best thing for me, but also my worst enemy, because the fact that I care what I think is that I always, I always, like, you know, in a work setting and everything else, like, I care what people think. So I do, I do try and please people and I, you know, give 100% to things that I do. But at the same time, like I said, when it comes to doing, I don't know, putting yourself out there to the world and, content or influencing you are like opening yourself up to that more criticism and you know op- opening yourself up to be vulnerable and hurt a little bit um but when you overcome that i guess i'm sure that is a great thing because you know technically i've already done that like i said with the article in a way i put myself out there in that sense and had that criticism and took that on but yeah there's something when you put when you do something you're trying something a bit different if it's you know a show podcast or whatever you know you are you know, at the end of the day, you're learning, aren't you? You're sort of taking them steps and it's a new experience and you are going to grow and get better at it. It's just mm. that being willing to stick to it. And yeah, so I guess it is a, a goal for me to, 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 do, to do that as well. Good, yeah. What, what I'll say is on the, the, as you were saying, the criticism side of stuff, I think the way I learned our, you know, like I said before, I, I, I compete. So like I've used the gym a little bit to like take frustration out and anger and things like that. But Obviously, I realise sometimes that's not a good thing because if you end up having like a really good time, um, for example, if you the way I always say to people is that, you know, you never lift with frustration or anger because obviously you end up, um, if you haven't got that anger there, you've got that, there's no like, you know, oomph, there's no like nothing to kick you. But the way, the way when it comes to like social media and stuff, I honestly, the, the, the best way I explain it to people is upload your content and then 
read the comments and then but when it hits a certain point and you're starting to feel it just it's easy enough just to put your phone down like it's not yeah. seen, it's the most com the most easiest answer i can give you but and at the end of the day none of these and I, another thing is that always remember that no one the comments to an extent obviously like friends family things like that but like most people that give you negative comment don't actually know who you are yeah it's so and if they met yeah. you in the street like we're saying earlier on they're probably the nicest person ever to, yeah, to yeah. Place. That's, that's the crazy part of it but um, you know, to uh, I'd like to finish off on some like kind of cool questions to be honest. But mm-hmm. what um, a couple of questions there. Uh, what what makes you what what made you? I know we've talked about like your past and what you've done and all this sort of stuff. But and you were obviously into football and um, sport and things like that. But what made you not want to just do media like what most people like what I currently do? Like so, I do it on the side of everything else. What made you literally? Yeah. Want to, I don't want to do the nine to five. I just want to concentrate on that. What was what was that type of thing? That wanted me is in like what made me want to commit basically everything to that. Yeah, yeah, like what made you job. want to go yeah, media yeah. versus like a, you know. Yeah, yeah, as a career path. Yeah, yeah, as another career yeah. thing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's rather than that standard nine to five. I, I think, I think you know, growing up, you sort of. It's because I never really knew a lot of it. Maybe it was that like mystery and stuff. I mean, so growing up, I didn't really know anyone that did a job that maybe wasn't sort of like a sort of standard nine to five. And I just sort of, I just sort of was like, and you just, I used to just hear people all the time or just like, oh, don't really want to do, you know, don't want to feel a bit mad about sometimes the job and just being in, living for the weekend. I remember always hearing that phrase, like, oh, just living for the weekend. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to, I just don't want to live for the weekend. You know, don't get me wrong. I love the weekend. <laughs> I love like, going out and socialising and doing the thing but I sort of just wanted to be like to be fair my, my dad was a firefighter and he loved his job mm-hmm. throughout all his career and you know that wasn't a sort of standard nine to five he worked weird and wonderful hours but he used to always like say oh you know just just talk about it, you know, enjoying his job and I was like you know I just want to do something a bit different as well and sort of just commit something where I thought is this look exciting does it you know, it seemed pretty cool, you know, going to events and like people glorify the media sometimes to get, see it as like, um, you know, a shiny sort of old, great, fancy thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some real, you know, it's not all, as it seems, there's days where you're like, oh, crikey, you know, and, um, but I don't know, I guess it seemed appealing and cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that was it really. Yeah, I just thought. Live life like yeah. a completely different way. Yeah. I I, I yeah. honestly this is I think I think it comes down to at the end of the day, like as you had said yourself, you had your dad who kind of like was like loved what he did. So you kind of had yeah. that background, yeah, which is awesome to be honest. But when it came to um uh obviously everybody's overcame obstacles, like it doesn't matter what it is professionally, um, personally, um, I don't know, animals, there's the, all all the type of categories there is. Yeah, yeah. There's a so, like, say when uh, you, you know you like uh, had obstacles come your way. I don't want. I don't know. You don't have to mention any specific one. But yeah. when you when you talked about like, uh, sorry, when you went over um, obstacles, how did you once you had come over them and like jumped the hurdle, mm-hmm. as they say? How did you then use what happened in that one and then implement yeah. the next obstacle and things like that? I think I overcame a recent sort of obstacle last year, um, and it was I was doing a job as a researcher and it was TV football for like a few months. So I was doing this job 
And the job was then, there was making it, so I was doing it as like an attachment and they were doing it, it was basically um, going to be a permanent role that they were sort of advertising for. And realistically, I was like, hands-on, almost like a favourable candidate because I've been doing the job. I was really well-liked within the team, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So you're like, okay, I'm in a good position here. Um, I didn't get the job because I actually did the worst interview ever. And, and for many different reasons why you have a bad interview, like I was exhausted, I've just moved house. You know, there were actual life things around it that I was like pretty, you know, jobs were really busy at the time. You know, I've over-prepared for this interview. I really sort of really wanted it. And just on the day, we just just really crap, right? You know, and everyone has that. Everyone knows bad days. Everyone can't be like 100% on form every day. And I was just, and they couldn't give me the job because the interview was just so bad. I just froze up. I just wasn't really present. Um, and I remember being so devastated that I didn't get a job. I thought, it got to the point where I was like, that for me was just the next step. That was it. I had to do that job permanently. It was within the team I've been working on. Um, and I just, it was just like, I was devastated. Like, and I just thought, what am I going to do? You know, what is next? And I actually ended up, ended up getting assistant producer contract um, from a team I've been working on previously, in the digital team. Um, so the attachment, which was obviously like a job hire, it's like a band higher than that, like a job band hire. And then after that, I ended up from doing that, I ended up getting assistant producers um, section of contracts working on TV football again, because I'd already done, had this AP experience before that. And how, so obviously, you know, I picked myself up essentially. Mm-hmm. And how I picked myself up was I was very much like it sort of, I could have just sat back and was like felt defeated from, you know, the business that support me for all this time. And people were like, you know, support me to get this job. And realistically, like you feel defeated because you're like stupid, like I'm the right person. I've been doing this job. Like why do I have to interview for a role that I don't even do in all that, you know, but you know, you can't criticize the way that the company runs because it runs you know the BBC works in a way that's fair to everyone you can't criticize that even if it don't work for you on one occasion and that's fine and I sort of just looked at it and was like right how can I make this could how can I make this the best I can how can I learn from that a learn in terms of how I can react better in interviews and also I was a bit like no you know what I know I know I haven't done anything wrong here maybe I wasn't confident on the day. I wasn't, how can I just pick myself up and sort of go again and just apply for things again, just go for other jobs and go in there and learn from what you'd done wrong in the past. And like I said, I ended up getting that assistant producer contract in digital. And then I ended up getting this assistant producer job on TV after that recently. And obviously now I've got a permanent AP contract. And I just, for me, it was that mentality. And sometimes, you know, I'm quite a believer in like what, meant to be will be. Mm. Um, I don't actually feel, you know, sometimes like, I don't feel that job is right for me. Like, I'm enjoying the jobs I've done this last year so much more than when I was doing the researcher's job. And sometimes something's just not a right fit. Like, you can invest everything in, like, that's, for me, this is this is all I see is the next step. And, you know, for some reason or another, like, you don't get that or it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes you just got to have faith in, like, the way that things play out and sort of just if you keep going and pick yourself up straight away and, and, and don't give up on where you, on the process what you were working on I think the next thing will you'll it'll make you realize actually you know what that's why that didn't work out and I think that's always the case sometimes people 
pick, you know, a knockback can make people give up on that job as a whole or that industry, or, you know, it can make you give up on, I don't know, me, for example, working editorially in TV, because that was one of my first editorial jobs. And, you know, some people can make people just think, oh, it's not for me that maybe I'm meant to be working in production management that I was working in before. I did think that there were some days I was like, oh, actually, am I naturally good at, like, content making? You know, I really did have those doubts last year because I'd had loads of editorial experience at this point. And, like I said, it was just it was just a case of that I was like, actually, no, keep going. You know, I know, have that faith in yourself. Keep going, you'll learn. Everyone, everyone can learn. You know, you adapt, you grow in anything that you do. And it actually did work out for the best. So, um, yeah, sometimes it's just... Keep going and have faith in the in, in the system, really. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, an awesome, an awesome note to end on as well. Great advice for people that, because like people do feel like they kind of get like beaten up and they're like, I'd, they'll mm. end up going like, I don't know, maybe working like a normal, um, a normal job would be so much, as they quote, so much easier. Like, so you can yeah. just go out and live in and things. It is. But, and, and this, yeah. and, and just to, just to add a quick note before we go, mm. sometimes there is times where you're like, I'm like, you know you know my other half Becca like she she'll work hard at a job and then she'll just you know they'll get given a promotion say and, and get and work hard again and get given a promotion and sometimes in the media industry and, and working in the BBC it doesn't work like that you don't just get given a promotion on the stuff on you know just there you go here you go you've been working hard give you you know give you a pay rise etc you, you've got to you've got to apply for things at BBC you've got to apply for attachments and jobs you know you're always having to do well at your job but then you have to do well in an interview as well and there's those added things that do make you think sometimes like, oh you know it would be so much easier in a normal in a normal nine-to-five job but very often you get reminded you're working on a winter olympics tonight or you're at an amazing event you work you know you're going to a live event and you're working on a major event the olympics the euros and you're like actually you know what money and easy life it's got nothing you know on this sometimes because when you do something you're making content that you know millions of people can see you're like actually yeah you know what that's why I don't have you know the nine to five because that the thrill that you get is does outweigh sometimes um all the other stuff so yeah yeah yeah. I actually forgot to ask you a question as well so before I before we go you're um you're I won't say five-year fan because like that's so like cliche. You're, um, I mean, my auntie before she passed mm. away used to always like, "What's your five year plan?" and all that sort of stuff. Like, yeah. What would you say is like, um, you know, your future plans would be a greater one, like when it comes yeah. to like, career and things like that. Career and things. I mean, yeah, I'm sort of on a good path now. Assistant producer. Want to, like I said, just grow as much in that as I can. Get some filming experience. Get lots more editing experience. Producing, directing the content um one of my own side of it like I said build my own persona if that's doing some sort of like you know build my own like I don't know if it's podcasting or whatever you know my old like influencing side mm-hmm. sort of start something in that way do a bit of presenting grow that and yeah five year plan hopefully um see some something progress in that side of it but also yeah the idea to like want to be producing show you know producer essentially producer you're like producing program so you might be producing a program or you're producing an event and mm. or like you know you're producing a major event and hopefully be at that point where I'm you know I've got the experience in my belt that I'm doing something like that and hopefully also 
making the most of what the BBC's got to offer. Maybe do a couple of mind doing a placement here in another department just to learn about what else the BBC does. And um, yeah, for the foreseeable, see myself at the BBC, but who knows further down the line, you know, I'm definitely, um, I want to explore the most of what the industry, you know, I want to explore what the industry offers and uh, just essentially want to be a great content maker. And yeah, have awesome. Different and experience, so. Yeah, the fact is as well is that, the, the, as I said before, with the media setting things like that, um, the industry is only growing like paramount and things like that. Um, a lot of your big uh, record labels, obviously Universal is more than a record label, but Universal is another one. Mm. They just invent, um, invested billions in the UK, both of those companies yeah. together to build new industries. So it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger for people in media, to be fair. 100%. But yeah, and then before we do end, uh, I always like to get, I know I've said that maybe three times now, I'm really bad for doing that, but I always like to obviously ask if um, I can get people's social media so maybe people who can follow you along, follow your journey and things like that. So yeah. what is what is your social media? So whether that be like, you know, Twitter, Instagram, so, yeah. or Pretty, Twitter, Instagram, I'm on, on everything. I am at Keely, so K-E-E-L-Y. Mm -hmm. People always put in the extra E-C, but yeah, mm -hmm. at Keely, K W E L Y Watson, uh, 95. So at Keely Watson, 95 is pretty much my handle on, on everything. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. And, uh, yeah, as everybody, um, thank you very much for watching. Uh, it does mean a lot, and uh, especially listening, like the li like the listening side of stuff is going crazy, which is, yeah, which is great to see. But anyway, yeah, thank you very much for watching. Like, comment, subscribe, and thank you again, Keely. Thank you for your time. Nice one, Carl. Good to meet you. You've been listening to In Kyle's Convoy.